In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and we are joined by a very special guest for the greatest week of the Georgia football calendar, in my opinion. It's like Christmas. It is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party week, and we have none other than Aaron Murray with us. So, Aaron, welcome to the show, brother. What's up? What's up? Well, first off, so I, I, I was on a different show earlier today, and we kind of talked about this, and neither of us had the answer, and I kind of feel bad because he was an LSU guy as my co-host on my show. Um, and he's like, can we not call it the largest cocktail party? And I was like, no, no, no. Like I will forever call it that. But like, Correct. he's like, is there a new name for it? I was like, I honestly don't know. Cause that's all I refer to it as. So maybe you can educate me. Is there a new name that the game's supposed to be called by or no? Yeah. So in all honesty, like on the, on the television broadcasts and sometimes I feel like Nestler slips, but they don't officially say it anymore. Like, I don't know if there's like an edict not to say it. But, I think there yeah, is, but I just don't know what the new name is. I don't know that they've come up with one that's really stuck. You know, like with the Red, yeah. Riv- the Red River shootout, they changed that to the Red River rivalry. Yes. But for Georgia, Florida, I feel like they haven't really come up with anything that was good or that stuck. And so, I don't know. It's all It'll always be the cocktail party to me. I mean, I 100%. 100%. Yeah, I think it's outstanding. So. Well, let, let's stay on that because obviously part of, I think, the allure and the mystique of the cocktail party is that it's one of the only neutral site games in the country. I think it's one of three. Uh, we already talked about Red River Shootout, and then you have Army-Navy that are all neutral site games. Um, and I think there's something beautiful about that. I, I love that it's in Jacksonville. But as Kirby has talked about, I get the reasons why it being on campus are attractive as well. So for someone who has played in the game, who is from Florida, who now covers the game, what are your thoughts on it? What would you like to see happen with it? I love it. I think it, it is a special environment. I think it is one of the best experiences you could possibly have as a collegiate athlete. I mean, to be in that that stadium, to see the 50-50 divide, it, it just – it's unique. I mean, you allude to it. There's only three other games in America each and every year that, that get to experience that. So you are one of six teams that get to play in a neutral site game, 50-50 split. So it is it is a blast. It is so much fun. So my, my, my greatest memories as a collegiate athlete were, were there in Jacksonville at the game. Um, I mean, like you said, I, I get where Kirby's coming from, but it's also a little bit funny, too, because you look at Georgia's recruiting over the past five years they've had the number one, two, three, or four recruiting class in America. So, you know, he wants to bring recruits on campus. He wants to get recruits. So I was like, Kirby, you, you can't get much better than what you're already doing. So <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it's hindering you from getting the top athletes at the end of the day. And I think you can use it to, to sell these kids. Like, Hey man, you get to play in one of the most unique environments in one of the most unique games and one of the best rivalries in college football every single year. The fans love it. The students love it. Um, 
The environment's awesome. Like I, I, I would not change it at all. And I don't anticipate them to change it. I think the game means so much to both schools. And, and like I said, man, like it, it right now, I don't think Georgia's hurting at all when it comes to uh, recruiting where they, they, you know, maybe it benefits them a little bit, but I don't think enough. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And I get, but my thing too is you're only getting an additional game once every two years. And by making that trade-off, you kind of lose the mystique of saying, hey, we have this special game. We're going to be guaranteed 330 game every time that weekend. We are top show in town. If both teams are within the top 20, pretty good bet that game day or SEC Nation or one of the pregame shows is going to be there just because of what it is. I, I just – that's the piece of it that I hate now. I'm very upfront. I am a rank sentimentalist. So that piece of it can't be discounted. I love the history of it. I love the tradition of it. Um, it's one of my favorite trips to make as a fan and follow the program. So I don't know, man, it's going to be interesting. I did see that the schools released a joint statement saying that they were going to withhold comment until the contract is up in 2023. So kind of a nothing burger from there, but yeah. it's going to be interesting because Kirby's pushing for it. I mean, not, well, he's been pushing, he's for not it. like advocating, yeah, I mean, he's he's not been shy about kind of saying this is how I feel about it. So, yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. When, and when you win a national championship, when you when you open your mouth, uh, you you can make a lot happen. Which I mean, listen, if if that's something that he wants and he's adamant about, I'm sure they're going to listen in that room. And Josh Brooks and everyone involved at both both schools will kind of look at it and, and, and make the right decision. But I don't know, man. Just for someone, and, and Kirby's played in it too, and he talked about it, like he loved the experience. He loved being a part of it as a player. I just think taking that into account, I think that once again is a powerful tool when it comes to recruiting of being able to play in such a special game. And you got to play in four of them, three and one record in those games. I know you're proud of that. And really, man, I mean, just a hair away from being four and an OT loss. The first year you played in it. I want to ask you about a specific play in that game, just because of the four years you were there, I feel like it's the one that you see most on the replays. And it's the 2012 game with about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. You guys are sitting third and five. The game is 10-9, super tight. Take us into that huddle, what, what the feeling was like, what the play call was, and kind of what the reaction is after everything happened. Yeah, I mean – it was a three by one formation. Malcolm was backside, had a essentially a run it route. So, you know, we all know how much we love to throw fades. The fade, the fade, the fade, the back shoulder fade. Well, the run it route essentially is a, a forced back shoulder fade. So they're going to run about eight yards. So it's a little bit longer than a hitch. Um, so usually DBs may sit on a hitch about six yards. Once you pass that six yard route, they start kind of feeling like, okay, this is going to be a little bit deeper. And then eight, nine yards, you know, Malcolm will put the, the brakes on. Uh, and my goal is to get the ball on his outside shoulder as soon as he turns on time, in rhythm, three-step, no hitch. So, you know, they came out, they're bringing pressure from the left side. We, we changed the protection, picked it up. And anytime you're in a three-by-one formation, you put your best receiver on the backside. At least that's what we did from, you know, obviously AJ was, you know, my guy freshman year. Malcolm really became that guy. We'd move Tavares back there as well. But, you know, anytime I knew that, hey, it's one-on-one, I'm going to take my shot with Malcolm uh, and, and ran a great route, caught it. And then just, you know, yeah, when he started running and breaking tackles, man, it just was like a surreal moment. Like, Oh my goodness. Like he actually may take this. And then he splits the two defenders gets in the end zone. And uh, it was just a blur from there. Like just could not believe that just a simple eight yard run it, you know, something that we literally run 
every day on routes on air, just like it's a basic, it's, it's kind of like running, you run a slant, you run to run it just to get warmed up and not knowing that it's such a basic route was going to be such a defining play in, in Malcolm's life and my life at Georgia. And obviously in this rivalry game and uh, just pitch and catch man. And then just let him go out there and do his thing. Yeah, you know, crazy part about that game, too, is then Florida gets the ball back, plenty of time. They take yep. it down down the field, and then Jarvis makes his play, which he had a monster game that day, too. So that's just one of my favorite games from the rivalry, just because I think there are so many cool moments. It was tense, and then obviously it kind of set up the run to Atlanta at the end of that year. So special game, special year. So thank you for sharing that. That's cool to hear it from, from your perspective and see it through that lens. So – Kind of bad – well, not kind of. It is. Bad news out of Athens today. Dan Jackson has a stress fracture in his foot. It's going to miss reportedly the rest of the season. Mm. I think that's a big hit, Um, not just for what he provides from a depth perspective in the secondary, but Dan has been such a valuable contributor on special teams that I I just hate to see him miss. And I don't know this for sure. Maybe you can speak on it more, but it seems to me like he's a very well-respected guy on that roster and a guy that leads, and so I hate that he won't be around. So how do you think that affects them as they lead into this week and the rest of the season? Well, that, that that's the first thing I was going to say before the, the obviously his play on the field. Dan, just as a, as a human being, is incredible. You know, great kid, hardworking kid, uh, extremely well-respected by, by his teammates, coaches, fans, everyone. I mean, there's – I don't think there's anyone that doesn't love Dan Jackson. So to lose his presence on the sideline – in the locker rooms, in the meetings, all that, uh, it definitely takes a hit. And then obviously you, you, you talk about what he's meant to this team coming in at times to play safety. Uh, it just seems like every time there's, there's some sort of big time special teams moment, you know, Dan has as, as, as his hand in it one way or the other. So uh, yeah, he, he's a, a huge as a piece of this football team uh, that will be missed. So you know, the injuries have been an issue this year, you know, from, from obviously his injury right now to, to Jalen being banged up for most of the season really if, if, if has hurt the production for the defensive line, you know, AD Mitchell being hurt at the receiving spot. You've kind of seen a little bit of a dip from the receivers at times this year. So, you know, you're hoping to get some guys healthy this bye week uh, and not lose anyone. So, so big loss losing, losing Dan Jackson. And, you know, the good thing is Kirby has, has built a very talented roster uh, a lot of young guys who, you know, really make their name on special teams. This is going to be an opportunity for some young freshmen or redshirt freshmen to possibly step up to fill those roles, especially on the special teams and, uh, and see if they can make a name for themselves in, in, in this game and beyond. You bring up AD. I'm interested to hear with your trained eye, how different is George's offense with him out versus with him part of the game plan, not just from the weapon that he is production wise, but what he forces opposing defensive coordinators to do from a game planning perspective? Well, he, he, I would say he's your best one-on-one matchup from, from a receiving position. And then all of a sudden, you know, when you have, you throw him out there with Brock and then you're, you, I think my, my, my best grouping would be 80 on the outside, maybe get Brock on the outside or even the slot McConkey, and then, you know, find a way to get Darnell. So like your true 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, two receivers, and all of a sudden, when you look at those those essentially chess pieces being moved around, it, it makes it really difficult for a defense to decide where you want to go. Where, where do you want to put your focus of your defense? Is it on Brock and, and, and Darnell? Is it on McConkie in the slot? Is it on AD on the outside? Uh, it just makes it really, really difficult. 
Um, and you're going to force defenses to essentially play a lot more too high, which should hopefully get the run game going a little bit. So yeah, he's, he's a matchup nightmare. He has great size, great skill. Um, you know, the way he played with confidence at the end of last year, I was really excited to see him kind of continue that, that, that confidence building momentum into the season, you know, injuries stink. It's a part of the game. So, you know, once he's out there, you know, they're going to, you know, Munkin will find ways to get him matched up one-on-one and, and, and he's someone that if I'm Stetson, if you want to put your, like I said, put your attention at, at a, uh, to stop the tight ends, I'll take AD all day of the week. All right, we're going to talk some more about the Georgia-Florida game in a bit, but I want to pick the rest of the week's slate with you, and I will be fully frank on this. It's not the sexiest slate of games this week. I was reaching on a few of the picks, but we'll pick them either way. So the first one is noon kick. Ohio State going to Happy Valley to play Penn State. Ohio State is a 15-and-a-half-point Road favorite. Who do you like in that one? Ooh, we, uh, man, I was, I was liking Penn state a couple until a couple weeks ago when they got their doors blown off versus Michigan and just really got exposed. Um, you know, the games in, in there in Penn state, you know, it's going to be a raucous environment. Uh, Ohio state did have a little bit of a slow start last week, but I, I, I do like what I'm seeing on both sides of the football for Ohio state. I love their offense. Uh, their defense is improved. You know, it really, haven't been exactly challenged this year by the elite offense just yet. Uh, I don't think they're going to be challenged necessarily by, by Penn state's offense. Um, but that being said, man, the game there in Penn state, you know, they're going to want to find a way to, to make up for that, that essentially butt whooping versus Michigan a couple of weeks ago. I do like what they have on the secondary, you know, with, with, especially with Porter on the outside. I think, I think Ohio state wins it, but I think it's somewhere in that like 10 to 14 range, two touchdowns. So I do like that that extra point and a half. So I'll take Penn State with the points. My co-host is taking Ohio State. I'm real conflicted on this. I, the Michigan game is just stuck in my brain. But, know, you know, if you look at it, the first half of that game was real tight. And then I yeah, think – Yeah, but it wasn't really that tight. I mean, they well, were blowing yeah. them out. I mean, they, they, they beat them up. They just weren't scoring. Yeah, that's but, the thing but, that but gives they, me But they're pause. better in the secondary. I will say that Penn State's strength is more in the secondary than the front. And Michigan's strength is their offensive line and, and quorum running the football. So it's, it's, it's a little bit more strength on strength compared to Michigan's strength on, on I would say, more Penn State's weakness up front. Plus, the game yeah. was in Michigan. This in Penn State, you have to throw that into, into it as well. Yeah, I like that it's in Happy Valley. 15 and a half is it's just kind of a funky number. Um, I, I I kind of like Penn State in this. I think I'm going to roll with that. I may feel differently about it tomorrow, but I think I'm going to take the Nittany Lions. They looked good on Saturday night in the whiteout. Granted, I don't think Minnesota's all that great this year, but still, um, they're going to be confident. It's Ohio State, so they're going to be up. I feel like it's one of those games, too, where Ohio State's kind of like Georgia, kind of like Alabama. They get everybody's best. So, um, yeah, I I like Penn State to cover. They will not win the football game, but I I like them to cover. So – Next one is interesting because you got undefeated TCU, one of only, I think, six teams left in the country that's undefeated. That number is winnowing down each week. They are a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite going into Morgantown to play JT Daniels and the Mountaineers. Who do you like in that one? I like TCU. West Virginia's defense is uh, atrocious. They, they, they Honestly, they should have lost the past um, – I would say past three games, they got they they benefited first Baylor. I was watching that game. Baylor was running right through them. 
Baylor's quarterback gets injured, kind of, you know, flips the game a little bit and, you know, good for West Virginia to find a way to win the game. I believe it was a Thursday night, but you know, their defense this year has just been, um, you know, pretty, pretty darn bad, giving up 405 yards per game. Uh, and then also their last in, in the big 12, giving up 30, about 34 points per game as well. So I like TCU. I like Max Duggins. Um, you know, they're playing with confidence right now. Uh, and I just don't think West Virginia is a good team. I mean, they got blown out by Texas. Once again, they should have got blown out by Baylor if their quarterback stays healthy. And then Texas Tech just beat them up 48 to 10. So uh, I do like TCU coming in there with some confidence to win this game pretty big. Yeah, my co-host is going to take the Horned Frogs, and I'm going to take them too. I just think that offense is too much. And to your point, West Virginia is just not a good football team. I will always root for JT Daniels after how he handled last year. I think he is just oh, yeah. class, class, class. But, man, they just don't have the Jimmys and Joes, I don't think, in this one. And, man, TCU, they're exciting. I love watching them play. They've been, they've been really fun to watch. Their offense gets after it. I mean, they're fun to watch on the edge. So, yeah, I'm taking the Horned Frogs on the road too. Okay, this next one is interesting to me because I think it's one where both teams are a bit of an enigma. Uh, Arkansas going to the Plains to play Auburn, and Sam Pittman and the Hogs are three-and-a-half-point road favorites. Who do you like in this one? Oh, man, Um, it's a little bit tough. Obviously, at at home for Auburn kind of gets me guessing this a little bit, but you know, Auburn has not been good against the run this year. And, and that's a little bit surprising. Um, you know, they're giving about 204 yards rushing per game. So it's a little bit head scratching. I thought that was gonna be more the strength of their defense. So, you know, Arkansas and KJ, you know, they got him back versus BYU and you just saw the difference of that football team and the way they came out and were able to really dominate on the road. Um, so I do like their rushing attack and KJ and getting things going. And I just think Auburn right now is in such a fragile space uh, that if Arkansas is able to run the ball early, get on top of them, uh, I, I think they kind of roll with this one a little bit too. So I'll take Arkansas the three and a half. My co-host will never not pick against Sam Pittman, so he is taking the Razorbacks pig suey for him. Uh, I am also going to take them. I, I just think they, they got too much for Auburn. I will say this about Auburn and those kids. They have played hard for Coach Harson. Um, and they yeah. have every they have every reason to roll over. I feel like given what's happened this year and all the scuttlebutt in the offseason, but man, they've played hard for that guy. They just don't go away. I mean, they've been in games where it's looked like they were gonna get blown out and they fight and stay in it. So I think it'll be a fun game, but I think the hogs are gonna cover obviously two two weapons on the outside that Georgia fans are familiar with with Matt Landers and Jadon Hazelwood. So um, yeah, I think KJ Jefferson's the difference. I really like that kid. I like the way he plays. Yep. He seems like a hard-nosed kid. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Hogs, too. Okay, this is one where I feel like the Ducks have to be the second favorite team in the country if you're a Georgia fan, given what they've done since week one and given how we absolutely pummeled them uh, at the Chick-fil-A game. But they go to Cal in a little bit of a letdown game, and they're 16-and-a-half-point road favorites going Ooh. to Berkeley. Uh, after that monster win at home against UCLA last week. What do you think on this one? Uh, I like Oregon. I I was super impressed. I've been super impressed with Bo this year. The way he's played, obviously, last week was just incredible, seeing them just whoop up on UCLA because I was pretty high on UCLA heading into that game. So I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. I think that they're, they're feeling like, hey, man, there is a legitimate path for us to possibly get it into the playoffs as long as we keep playing the way we're playing. So you know, Cal struggled on both sides of the football. Uh, I think Oregon is, is far superior. You, know, you can't look at this as maybe a, you know, they may be a little bit sleepy after the big win last week for UCLA. 
I just think they're a better football team. I think Bo right now is a mature quarterback, four-year starter, playing some of the best football of his life, 25 touchdowns this season. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll still take Oregon on the road uh, against a, a bad Cal football team. My co-host is taking the Ducks too. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details which is rare. He generally always picks against Bo Nix. So not because he has anything against Bo. He just doesn't have much faith in him on the field. So, but he's taking the ducks. He likes them. I'm going to take them too. I was super impressed with them last week. I was very high on UCLA. I thought they were one of the cooler stories of the year. It was kind of like Chip Kelly 2.0. And I thought there was a ton of fun storylines with him going back to Eugene, but man, they looked great. And you know, it's hard not to root for Dan Lanning too. I love yeah. coach Lanning and it, it seems like it would be so easy to play for him. Just a guy that seems like he'd be easy to be motivated by. So yeah, I'm going to go with the ducks on this one too. All right. Next one, Oklahoma state going to the little apple in Manhattan to play K state. K state is a one and a half point favorite. This is one of the better games of the day. I think, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I, I, I want to see more about what, what the situation is for Kansas state and their quarterbacks. I was thinking of the TCU game this past weekend where they probably should have won if, 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 you know, they're both their, their number one and two quarterbacks don't get hurt in the game. Uh, I think they actually win that game on the road versus TCU. So if, if, if those guys are healthy, I'll take Kansas state just because Oklahoma state is pretty banged up right now. Um, but if, if, if that isn't the case, you know, I would take Oklahoma state on the road. Um, you know, the one the thing that concerns me about Oklahoma State is their secondary. But, you know, that's not that's not Kansas State's MO. They want to run the football, which matches up a little bit better against what Oklahoma State wants to do. So kind of saying that and how banged up Kansas State is, I may roll with uh, with Oklahoma State in this one. So my co-host is taking K-State. I am real conflicted on this. I have three siblings that went to KU. So I'm very familiar with how tough a place K-State is to play. And they've, you know, played with a lot of backbone this year. But to your point, the health of the quarterback's a big deal. I mean, yeah. I, I generally, if I'm flipping a coin in a game, I pick, I pick them based on the quarterback. So this one's really tough. And Oklahoma State's not in not much of a better position. I mean, they are banged up, up and down the, the roster. So this is a really hard one to, I think, get a read on. I'm going to go with Ema just because they're at home, but I don't really feel great about how this is going to turn out one way or the other. So, okay. This next one's a fun one. I think too. Cincinnati been one of the hotter teams in the country. They're only lost this year coming against Arkansas in the opener. 
they are going to play UCF. This is essentially a coin flip. UCF is a half point favorite, and they have been playing good football as well. What are your thoughts on this one? This is a pivotal game in, in that conference race. Yeah, and you're at the balance house too. Um, and both teams have played well this year. I, I'm just I'm going to go with with Luke Fickle in Cincinnati. Uh, just really been impressed with them. You know, even that that first game versus Arkansas with with everything they lost last year to make that game competitive on the road and then to, you know, go on the winning streak that they're on right now, which is a team that plays a lot of confidence. Um, I think it's a pick them right now. Uh, we're looking at a couple of places, but uh, I'll take Cincinnati with a win on the road, but you know, not with you, not super confident about this one, but just got a little bit, uh, you know, like what fickles built there for the Bearcats. My co-host is going to roll with the Golden Knights, but I'm with you. I'm going to take the Bearcats. I love what Luke Fickle's doing there. If you had told me at the beginning of the year, given what they lost, that they would play this way, I would have not taken good odds on that. So you got to be impressed with that. I think it speaks to what he's building there. And I also think it speaks to how attractive he is going to be for a lot of places that have openings in the off season. So uh, he will be a sought after man, I think come January and maybe even before that, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the Bearcats as well. The next one I have on here because boy, have they been playing good football lately? And that is uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks and coach Beamer. And they are hosting the Mizzou Tigers who gave the dogs a scare South Carolina, a three and a half point favorite at Williams Bryce. Four o'clock, so kind of mid-afternoon kicks. You're not getting Williams-Brice at night, but that place will still be rocking, especially after a couple big wins in a row. But who do you like in this one? Uh, I like I like Missouri to cover in this one. Um, you know, you look at South Carolina, and, and you know, I, I love what they're doing. I actually had them a few weeks ago, and it's been great to see them kind of bounce back from the rocky start at the beginning of the season. But they've also benefited from a, a uh, not great schedule when it comes to just not not – um, fantastic opponents. Uh, so you know, even Kentucky, who was who they beat there, uh, was without Will Levis, their starting quarterback. So um, you know, and and A and M is just awful. So that that's a crap show. That's a whole nother discussion. So uh, <laughs> I, I do like the way Missouri's playing on the defense side of the football. You know, I've even talked to some of the Georgia players. Like, man, that that team plays well on that side. Very disciplined. Um, they're, they're great against the run. They're one of the top defenses statistically in the SEC, I think number four right now in total yards given up. So I think they're able to go in there at South Carolina, make this a low scoring game. Um, I think it's a field goal game. So I'll take, I'll take Missouri with the points there. My coast is going to take the Gamecocks and I'm kind of leaning with you. I think I'm going to take Mizzou for no other reason than I just have a feeling that South Carolina is at that point in their program where this is the type of game that you kind of have a misstep with. And I'm not saying they're going to lose the football game, but I think it will be tighter than folks anticipate. And to your point, that Mizzou defense is good. It's the only top 30 defense that Georgia has played so far this year. So, I mean, they gave the dogs everything they wanted. Um, plus, I like Coach Trinkwitz. So, yeah, I'm going to take them. I like, I like the Tigers in this one to cover. I, I don't know if they'll win, but I, I like them to cover at Williams-Brice, which is given I mean, one of the – You look at their last four games. I mean – Lost by three to Auburn, lost by four to Georgia, seven to Florida, and then they beat Vanderbilt. I mean, this team, they only play in close games. So, yeah, I just I, – I'm, I'm not 100% sold about South Carolina until they, you know, be a little bit more of a quality team, which, you know, they really – I wouldn't say Missouri's that team, but they are that they are somewhat that team on the defense side of the football. Plus, if I remember right from the broadcast, the couple games I watched from Mizzou, their kicker's nickname is the Thicker Kicker. 
which is just outstanding on so many levels. So it's hard not to root for, for a character like that. Plus, man, to your point, they're his missed kick on the planes away from beating Auburn on the road, or at least going to overtime, which yeah. you feel good about. They should, have, they should have beat him. Yeah. Yeah. And he made about 700 yards worth of kicks against Georgia. So, yeah, he's a weapon. All right, this is one a lot of folks are talking about. I saw Tennessee's going to go all black at Neyland on Saturday night. Wildcats coming to town. Uh, 12.5-point road dog the Wildcats are. So this is an interesting one for a lot of reasons, just because Mark Stoops' team, they're going to be hard-nosed, play good defense. But Tennessee is Tennessee. Boy, have they been explosive. Uh, what do you think yeah, about this yeah. one? Yeah, I think Tennessee at home, the excitement in the stadium, night game, it's going to be loud. We, we obviously saw what happened there in that game versus, versus Alabama. Kentucky just, man, they, they've struggled on offense. I know people think Tennessee defense is not great. I, I don't think they're as bad as people are making them out to be. Uh, I think they can make Kentucky one-dimensional with just Kentucky's inability to run the ball at times this season or for the majority of the season, actually. Uh, so I think Tennessee, that offense – uh, I, I think Kentucky's defense is good, but Tennessee's offense is elite. I think Tennessee wins pretty handily in this game, so I'll take Tennessee at the points at home. Yeah, my co-host is going to take the Vols, and, and I am as well. My issue with this game is Kentucky needs to have Chris Rodriguez running downhill and Will Levis playing off of that. If Will Levis has to throw the ball 30 to 40 times, that's not good for if you're a Wildcat fan. And Tennessee's run defense has been fantastic this year. So I think they will limit what Kentucky's able to do on the ground. And Kentucky is going to have no chance to keep up with Tennessee offensively. I think it becomes a track meet. They get overwhelmed. And to your point, I think Tennessee just kind of runs away with this one, setting up a monster matchup in Athens in two weeks. All right. This is another one that has some interesting storylines. You talked about Texas A&M earlier. They're playing at home this weekend. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss are coming to town after losing a game last week that I don't think a lot of people thought they would lose, although I think LSU was a home favorite last weekend. They were. Um, but uh, still a bit surprising just because Ole Miss had, had been playing well, undefeated top ten. But Ole Miss is going to be a two-and-a-half-point road favorite in this one. What do you think about this one? I think Ole Miss kills them. Um, A&M right now, is a, it's a crap show from, from the injuries to the suspensions this week. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for the Aggies. Banged up quarterback. Um, they're just not a good football team, straight up. They're not a good football team. I think Ole Miss, you know, I, I still think offensively they got the weapons to be explosive. You know, they got the running backs. They got the receivers. I think Jackson Dart's going to, you know, has talent. Um, I just don't think A&M has, has much to, to – to offer on the offensive side of the football. So I think Ole Miss comes, comes back a little bit ticked off after that first loss last week first, first LSU. And um, I just don't think a and a good football team. I, I mean, a and a team that right as of right now, I, I don't anticipate making a, uh, a bowl game, which is just bewildering. So uh, I'll take, I'll take the rebels in this one. Yeah. My co-host is taking them as well. And I am going to also, to your point, Texas A&M is an, just a hot mess. Desmond Howard's national championship pick may not even make a bowl game. So it's just, it's tough there in college station. Let me get your, what's your take on that? What, what do you think is going on with this? We are of the opinion wow. that Jimbo is one of the more overrated commodities in the game, because if you take away the two seasons with Jameis, what are we looking at? Right. And yeah. Boy, that roster was loaded too. Um, but you got to give him credit for recruiting. But and he's done a great job of that in in College Station. But 
man, they just – it seems like the offense – I don't know. I mean, I mean they what, need a new OC. I think at the end of the day, I mean, he needs to, he needs to step aside. He needs to be a CEO, which he, he was under one before at FSU. I think he understands what, that, what that's like. Um, and, and, and bring in some, some young blood that kind of wants to re-energize this offense. So it's up to, it's up to him. I mean, he could, he can say, screw you guys. I got $85 million. You can fire <laughs> me if you want, I'll take it and leave. So, I mean, the ball's in his court. He can do whatever he wants. I just think for, for, for his reputation and, and legacy, I think it'd be smart for him to bring in someone to, to, to bring some juice to that offense. Cause they got skill, they got talent. There's no doubt about it. They've recruited well, they just need a little bit more innovation. Let me throw a name at you. How about Buffalo Bills quarterback coach Joe Brady? He's a hot one. He just does. I don't know if he wants to go to college. Yeah. And um, I think that's a big thing. But I mean, they ain't going to be afraid to throw some money at him. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. The one we're here for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Florida and the dogs. The dogs are a 22 and a half point favorite. It is the largest spread from what I read, I think in the history of the game, since they have records of spreads and it is the largest spread since 2001, when Florida was a 19 and a half point favorite. A couple interesting things about this. Georgia has been ranked number one in the AP poll for 15 weeks during Kirby smarts tenure. AP poll been around since 1936 they were only ranked number one 15 weeks prior to Kirby Smart arriving, which I thought was kind of a, a cool stat that I saw either on Twitter or Instagram today. It kind of speaks to where Kirby has the program currently, and I think the point spread speaks to that as well. I don't think anybody's debating that the dogs are going to win, but do you think they cover that number? It's a large, It's a very, very large number, uh, very intimidating number, but uh... – so I don't get booed out of the stadium if I go to the game. I'll, uh, I'll go with Georgia in the point. I mean, listen, what does Florida do well? Florida runs the ball. I, I think their running backs are great. Uh, obviously, their quarterback's a hell of an athlete, can run the football as well. But what what has Georgia proven they can do this year is that it's 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 stop the run. You know, number one, the SEC giving up 83 yards per game rushing. Um, I think they're going to be able to, to, to get big on that side of the football. And they're just a better team. I think at the end of the day, like – you, know, you get Florida to start pressing and get out of their comfort zone of running it and forcing them to possibly throw it. Uh, I think Georgia's DBs are, are well-equipped to slow down Anthony Richardson if, if, if the Gators and when the Gators get behind. I think that's when you kind of see, just like last year, Georgia kind of pull away, maybe a couple interceptions, and uh, defense kind of, kind of do their thing there in the second half. Yeah, my co-host and I are going to take them to cover as well. I just think they're going to be too much for the Gators over the course of the game. I think you saw last year it was 3 nothing, and then all of a sudden it was 21-3. to I mean, it just happens very quickly, and I just think that's a roster advantage. I also just think Kirby has a genuine, in his heart, dislike for the Florida Gators, and I think he coaches better when he's that way. So I think they're going to be ready to roll. I do have a, a question for you. This offense has quietly this year, and I think I say quietly because it seems that the narrative has been dampened a little bit after the Kent State and the Mizzou games, but the numbers don't really bear that out. The numbers show that this offense is doing some very special things, and when they start putting them in the same breath as your 2012 team and the 2014 team, we're talking some very prolific Georgia offenses. I'm interested 
what are your favorite things that Coach Munkin does with his scheme and with that offense? And what are some things that we as fans and viewers can look at and go, oh, this is the hallmark of what we do and, and we do this well? Well, I think you know, we see it every week. It's just how he moves guys around and how he puts guys in, in non-traditional spots, whether it's tight ends that flex out wide, tight ends. I mean, how many tight ends do you see get jet sweeps? I mean, we, Brock may be one of a handful of guys that every single week may get a jet sweep. Um, that's, that's, it's very untraditional and it's, it's kind of like shocking. Like you're not used to seeing a tight end go in motion and all of a sudden get the ball and take it for a jet sweep. So I think his ability, the motions and shifts, the formations, the personnel groups, the 12 personnel, the 13 personnel, you know, you start going through that early on in the game, you kind of see like, okay, this is what the defense is going to give me. You know, when we're in 12 personnel, they're going to go base. So they're going to go nickel. And then you start kind of logging that in your brain to then dictate what you're going to call in the second, third, and fourth quarter. So, man, he, he throws a lot at you early, kind of see what you're going to do defensively, and then starts making those adjustments himself, which is awesome. And then, you know, I just love the way he uses his, his like I said, he uses those chess pieces. I love the way he moves the tight ends around. I think that's, the, the to me, the, the best position in all of college football right now, if any, or even the NFL. If you have a, an athletic tight end, the matchups you can create are just so much fun to exploit. Last question. Not that this matters to him one way or the other or to the players in that team one way or the other, but if Stetson Bennett had more recruiting stars by his name coming out of high school, would he be more of a factor in this year's Heisman race? Because he is having a fantastic season yet. There is zero narrative or buzz about him being involved in that conversation with I, I disagree with that. I think Stetson had some buzz early, but he hasn't really thrown a lot of touchdowns as of late. I mean, that's the right. problem. I mean, it's, he has seven passing touchdowns. Um, when you look at, you know, guys across the country that have, you know, 17 to 25, so triple what he's done. So I, I don't know, man, like when he was early on in the season was balling out, I think there was a lot of noise about, Hey, if Stetson keeps us up, then yeah, if they win a chance or if they, if they win the SEC, he's going to be in that conversation. But I just think, he hasn't put up the stats to keep him in that, that talk. That's, that's been the biggest issue. Like right now, if, if Stetson was 18 touchdowns and a couple picks, he would be right there in the conversation for Heisman. But I guess that's my question. Do you think that's the differentiator that it's just the seven touchdowns? Cause the yards are there. The completion percentage is there. The lack of turnovers it's a is there. It's, it's a touchdown yeah. game. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's who, who gets the most points. It's yards are great, but I mean, you want touchdowns. I do think the good thing for him too, is he's going to have four straight opportunities to really showcase himself. And if he has big games in those four weeks, I think he's going to be right back in it. Or I hope he is just because I, I just want him to get the respect that I think he deserves nationally. Yeah. I think he has the respect. I don't think you don't have to go be in a Heisman conversation to earn respect. I think he is, the respect from, from his teammates, from dog nation, from the nation in general, that like people look at him as a legitimate quarterback. It's just, at the end of the day, man, you got to put up the numbers and, and he just, he has it to this date and maybe goes on a run and puts up crazy numbers the second half of the season and gets in the conversation. I just think right now he's, he's so far behind the guys that are in the lead for the conversation that it's going to be hard to catch up. Well, I think he would trade any of that for lifting that CFP trophy anyway. So, 100%. yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Aaron, we always appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to, to spend time with us and talk football. We always love hearing your perspective. Please tell 
our listeners how they can support you. I know you're doing snaps every day. So tell us what time, where to consume that, how to follow you, how to support you. Yeah. So uh, obviously calling games for ESPN this year, which has been awesome. Uh, and then I, I Colin Coward has a, a podcasting company syndicate called The Volume uh, that he signed myself and a buddy of mine, T-Bob A. Bear, who played offense line at at at, at, uh, at LSU. And T-Bob is one of the most enter- entertaining, uh, enthusiastic individuals I've ever been around in my life. I mean, it is an absolute comedy show at times. It's a lot of fun. We do a daily show. Uh, you can get it on YouTube or on, on podcasts. Uh, every day at two o'clock. Uh, we also do a late night show on Saturdays after all the games. So it's been a lot of fun. And then obviously I also do a serious XM show on the sec channel from three to six, pretty much Monday through Thursday every week as well. So stay busy. A lot of shows, a lot of good times. Yeah. Well, we will be sure to link all that in the show notes. Y'all be sure and support Aaron. I don't think it's any question that he's uh at the top of the list, man. Damn good dog if there ever was one. So thank you so much for hanging with us, Aaron, and, and health and blessings to your family, brother. I appreciate everyone. Safe travels to Jacksonville. Let's kick some butt. That's right. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details